Welcome to Life So Far. I'm Rich Bryant and I sit down with everyday people from all different backgrounds to hear the wisdom and stories from their life so far. Thank you so much for stopping by and I really hope you enjoy this next conversation. Brad, thanks so much for chatting, mate. My pleasure. It's so good to have you. I had it was a long trek. It's literally for people listening and watching. It's uh, how long is it from my place to your place? To uh, a good twenty seconds if you've got a limp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was about thirty seconds for me. <laughs> but uh, mate, so we can all get to know you. How old are you? Yeah, I'm thirty four right now. Thirty four. What do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm a pastor at a church here in Brisbane. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And where were you born? I was actually born out in Roma, funnily enough. In, I didn't even know that. Yeah, in, country boy. Wow. Yeah. Spent the first few years of my life out there, and my parents are both teachers, so they kind of moved out west for country service. Really? So, I yeah. didn't. I did not know that. So. Yeah. I'm not really a country boy though. No. <laughs> Very how long, much. So how long have you? How long did you live in Roma? Oh, two and a bit ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're so. a country baby. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> country, country toddler. <laughs> I was old enough to remember losing my gumboots in the mud somewhere. Oh, okay. That's about it. Oh, that's that's as country as it gets, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, so let's kick this straight off. What? What's the first question again? I've totally gone blank now. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yeah, I remember um, sitting in uh, like a lecture theatre uh, with a whole bunch of other great leaders from across the country and I was sitting there like thinking I was a fraud, right? Like I'm sitting uh-huh. there uh, with with great leaders from other churches, denominations, business, all kinds of stuff and I'm sitting there feeling like an absolute fraud. And there's this one guy like the very first night just went, there's people thinking they're frauds in this room and I was like, he's speaking to me, you know, you don't get that, that kind of <laughs> yeah, crazy yeah. moment. but. He kind of went to unpack, and I, I love to achieve stuff. I love to, uh, if you do the Enneagram, I'm a three, I'm an achiever. I like yeah, to do yeah. lots of stuff like that. You resonate with that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but is this mic drop moment of me being my late 20s going, who you are is more important than what you do. Mm. And I think I always knew that. Like character stuff's really important, but it just dropped something in me. Like it was that kind of slap in the face moment um, that I don't have to achieve to – get anyone's approval I, I don't have to do any of that not from god as a pastor not from my wife not from anyone else i wasn't married at the time but not from anyone else i didn't have to get do anything to be approved mm. be approved of i am just already loved mm. and that was kind of like that moment where i kind of i've been striving for years and years and years and it's kind of shifted this filter for me that now i don't have to work my butt off or just like impress other people i can just do what i think i'm called to do or be good at and just do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So this wasn't one of the questions, yeah. but since you mentioned like the first thing you said was like, I, I felt like a fraud. Mm. And I think that is something that a lot of us feel. Like I feel like that a lot. Yeah. Why do, why do you think you felt like, what what were you, what was the lecture about? Yeah, it was actually on like leadership and character and leadership integrity, and character. you know. Okay. So the, the guy, James Lawrence, he's a great leader from the UK. He just was talking a bit about this whole idea that uh, who who you are at the center of your core of who you are is more important than anything you do. And if you look after that one thing, all the other parts of your life actually generally tend to fall into place, that mm. you have control over not circumstances that happen to you or things how you achieve necessarily and stuff. You can give your best effort, sure, but how other factors factor into that, you're not really in control of that. You yeah. are in 100% control of your response, your reaction, who you are, your character, your integrity, and that's the stuff that matters. And I, I think I always knew it, but it was almost this moment of 
like I felt like a fraud because I had to achieve stuff to be good in your eyes. Like yeah. that, that's the fraud part. Like mm. a part of being an achiever or someone who loves to win and someone who loves to get stuff done and see great things happen is that we feel like we have to do that in the eyes of others, perform, be always be on a stage. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. exhausting, isn't it? Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah. And I think I've just been exhausted for most of my 20s trying to do that over and over and over again. Mm. And at this just moment of, I don't need to do that. Who's telling you you have to do that? No one has told you you've ever had to do that to win their love, affection, approval, mm. comradeship, friendship, sonship, daughtership, you know, any of that stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's just that moment of it just slapped me in the face. And I think that's probably a lens that I look through most things now. I, tr- I try and think about, well, do I need to do this? Do I, you know, why am I trying to, what's my motivation for doing this thing, spending this time, spending this money, spending this effort? Do I need to do that? And often the answer is no, <laughs> which is great. I feel like I've got more free time now than I probably have for ages. But, yeah. and I feel like I'm less stressed, I'm less anxious, I'm less worried, I'm less, yeah, full of myself. Oh, it just so kind of good. puts me back down to a, more humble, more real place and more a bit more integrity because of that, I think. Yeah, like a new framework of grounding yourself. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and because of that, I don't have to be a fraud. Mm. Yeah. And don't feel like it. No, I'm just – I'm who I am and that's you me. You and- who you are. Yeah, and what comes out of that is an extension of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so yeah. good. What has been your greatest struggle? I think it's probably tied to that mm. in that – I just want to try and do everything and achieve everything, and it, it it's almost like that my that my inherent value as a person came from what I did or could produce, and I I think again I probably only really cotton onto this late, very late twenties and early thirties that that's not the case. Like there's this cycle of grief. Like you you are your value comes from what you do, and if you do it or don't do it well, determines how you see yourself, and that's how you get your value from. It's this cycle that keeps going down and down because if you fail at something then you've your value is less yeah. or if you achieve something your value is more but you can't always achieve everything all the time it's this just grief cycle yeah. and i remember a bit the same conference talking about uh, this cycle of grace it's that actually you're already accepted and have inherent value um, and because of that i can work out of that place and achieve things and and uh, make a better world um, and you don't get more value out of that you get to add value because of that mm. which i think it really changes my perspective is this other turns the other way um it's not dependent on me i get to because i am yeah um, which is pretty cool yeah. yeah so i think the struggle for me is always trying to am i trying to achieve here am i trying to you know win or am i trying to make what's your motivation totally like, yeah yeah and that's that core who i am question like mm. it, all my 20s i'd be like yeah i'm this person because i do this you know mm. and I don't really want to be labelled by a job I have or a role I've got. I'd love to be more value, uh, labelled or valued by the values that I have. Yeah, your yeah. job title is something that, you know, we think of. You think of even the people who have the kind of most prestigious job titles or somebody who's really known as, you know, that person. Yeah. Even I, we've been watching, I don't know if you've seen it, and the Imagineers series. Oh, no, I haven't. It's on my list. Oh, mate, fascinating, on Disney all about Disney and the Walt Walt yeah. Disney. So you know, when you think of Walt Disney, all of all you always just think of Disney or Disneyland sort of thing. But there's a moment where even his his family were chatting mm. and they're saying, you know, we remember we knew our dad as so much more than just Disney. Even yeah. though that's his last name, it's hard to say. But <laughs> yeah. you know, like even somebody whose his entire identity is that, 
at the end of the day, that's not what you're yeah. you're known for, you know, to the people closest to yeah. you. And so it's kind of like having that, I, I think I said it in another chat with somebody, like that 10,000-foot view of your own life and go, yeah. what am I actually doing here? Like yeah. what, what's this all for? Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Do you reckon for you, like, because I know we're a bit similar in this regard, like, we're both pretty high capacity guys. Love to try stuff. Love to do stuff. Do you find that it is a wearying thing? Oh, I'm. I had a moment today. I was exhausted yeah. by it. Where I had this, and this is vulnerable, but I had this weird moment where, like, you know, I've only this is a new podcast idea that mm. I've done. I've only released two episodes, and I thought, and for some reason, I found myself on a YouTube channel which was about like Instagram growth or something. Yeah, I don't even know why I was there because I'm not really that interested in that kind of stuff. But I had this, I had this self-talk going on, and I caught myself where I was like, "Wait until you get to like a hundred episodes, and then you can start promoting it, and then you can start actually talking about yeah, it." Yeah, right. Because it's not really a real thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I caught myself for that moment. It was like, "Stop! What are you talking about, you idiot?" Yeah. Like every single conversation that you've had is valuable. That's right. Every. You know, it, it all matters and that's that's not what it's about. You know, my original motivation for even this was just to, as we were talking about before, just to have a chance to chat to people. Yeah. I found myself being coming quite insular and closed off in opinions. I was like, I need to get a wide variety of people speaking into me. And, yeah. And then I was like, well, may, I, may as well share those conversations with other people. Like, well, it's so quickly you lose track. And so yeah. then my self-talk then is to go, oh, you did it again. You're an idiot. You know, that sort of yeah. stuff goes on. It's hard, really hard to break that cycle of wanting to perform. Like, even though you're having 100 um, clips or however many followers before you feel you're valid. Yeah. It, it, this right here is valid, whether this ever goes to air or not. like Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm have- sitting in a lounge room with a good mate of mine yeah. having chats and I've already learned stuff that I didn't yeah. know about you. Yeah. That's like that's that's done. Like we're good, yeah. you know. That, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's complete. Enough. Yeah. Everything else is a bonus. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that language of you are enough, and yeah. the things here are enough. It's, yeah. I think we can fall in the trap of. I know that for me, like that performance mentality, it's never quite enough, and it's almost like a drug. Like, yeah, definitely. You want to be performing. You want to be in front of people, or you want to just be producing things that people see, or being seen to achieve in the eyes of others. It's like a drug. Oh, yeah. It's hard to break that cycle, and sometimes the meaning of. I remember I was sitting on a rock. Um, actually, down in Melbourne, like on the Yarra River. And I remember, okay. see, this bee flew down and I started drinking water from the river. And I was like, had a little mind-blown moment. I've never seen a bee drink water before. And I got this kind of real shattering thing in my head of like, how much does that bee matter? Like mm. in the grand scheme of things, how much more do I matter? Like just this whole idea of uh, I am loved and known and cared for even more than a bee. Yeah. Um, but that's enough. Like I, I, the bee's got everything it needs. So do I, without having to do anything but sit on this rock. Yeah. Like, I I love that idea. I think that's a message that we, everybody needs to know, like Mm. everybody needs to hear. And I think it, it's like a lot of things, unfortunately, and it's been around forever, but I think it's, for me personally, I'm, it's exacerbated, is that the right word? Yeah. Probably, by social media, things like that, or what I'm watching on TV. Because I, like even the cricket, I was watching the test cricket yesterday. 
And I got so down on myself. Like, it was enjoyable to watch. But I was like, what am I doing in my life? Like, I could have, <laughs> like I'm, I'm the most useless cricket player on the planet. Like, I, you bowl 100 balls at me, I might hit one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm seriously that bad. But I found myself comparing myself to the Mitchell Starks of the yeah. world, who's one, like, three feet taller than me. Yeah. Totally built differently. And has loved cricket. And when I drive past the cricket ovals on a Saturday, I go, oh, I'm glad I'm not doing that. (laughs) But in that moment, I found myself comparing myself. And I think we do that so often. Well, I do that so often. Mm. And that's exhausting and it's kind of that you you have to be, no, I am who I am. I think there's a challenge that we, we should always be trying to grow ourselves and be the best example of who we are. Totally. And I think that's a different mentality than just being trying to be like somebody else, but it's going, what's my best potential? Yeah. But I think that's the balancing act. Yeah. yeah. And it needs to be fueled by rest as well. I think that's something that this cycle has of grace has really grown in me that I've never had before is that mm. the need to have rest, yeah. um, to rest my mind, to be idle, to have my mind at play. Um, I think that stuff has really grown in me. And I kind of, you'd kind of like – if you're sleeping in, that's a waste. So if you have a nap, that's a waste. Or if you're, um, yeah. you know, you know, playing cards or playing a video game, whatever, that's a waste. Sometimes it is a waste if you're just kind of muck, wasting time on it. Yeah. But sometimes, for me, if I'm in the middle of something that I need to be productive in, it just is a circuit breaker just to rest. Yeah. To have that idle mind to let it retick over, get some energy back, and restart into something that I can put my energy back into. Um, I, I, I find I get less down on myself now when I'm resting. Because mm. of this, which is good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, because that is a trap, definitely. Yeah. What's been the happiest moment of your life? Um, it's going to feel like real cliche, but it's my wife is the happiest moment of my life. Oh, that's um, amazing. I probably, because this whole thing we're talking about, like I probably worked really hard in my 20s. I said yes to everything. I I did radio. I did all, all kinds of stuff. Just kind of said yes, yes, yes to try and gather an experience just so that I could perform. That's the, the shadow side of it. But yeah. It was actually really good. Like I learned an awful lot of stuff, had a lot go at a whole bunch of stuff. But I got to my late 20s and looked around and went, actually, all of my mates are married. All of my mates are starting to have kids. And I'm kind of like alone here just working my butt off, working hard and mm-hmm. trying to do stuff. And I probably – I think that there's value in the work that I did. Like I don't think it's all for, all for waste. And even if my motivation wasn't super right, I think – you kind of learn again, like re- keep relearning about what your motivations are. You keep coming back to that stuff. Um, but it's almost like I, I got to this stage and I was like, oh, what am I doing? And that's about when I met Merce, actually, my wife Mercy. She's a nurse at, at Logan, as you know, but um, we'd known each other for years. we kind of been on camps together, done a lot of stuff. We, well, I love our story. We went on three dates um, and she broke up with me via text message oh, after no. the third date, which is pretty rough. <laughs> um, we didn't. We kind of went on some camps again during the year and – uh, about a 12 months, 18 months later, you know, went on three more dates and um, she, we met for coffee and she said, I'm moving to Chinchilla for 12 months. Oh, so yeah, she, I remember when she did that. Yeah, yeah. so she went out there to, to basically work out out west for 12 months and have some experience out there and yeah, so she broke up with me again on the third date. Oh, no. About 18 or 12 to 18 months later, she was back in Brizzy and I, you know, I dated someone else, wasn't quite right. Um, just to, I, I got they had tried to date Merce twice, and she was—I think she was kind of like in my head. I couldn't get her out of my mind. She's kind of the right person. She's—we got a lot of real chemistry. We got on like a house on fire. Every time she laughs, my ears would prick up. Like it's kind of this thing. She'd walk into a room, you'd be like, she would glow. Like mm. she's—that's kind of that picture I had yeah. in my head. And 
you know, she broke my heart twice. <laughs> I'm sure you'll interview <laughs> the her. The third right? time wasn't a charm. Well, that, that's right. Yeah. yeah. The third date wasn't. But the third time of the third date yeah. <laughs> was. So she approached me out of camp and went, hey, we should catch up after this and oh. have a coffee. And we chatted it through. And I think that the happiest moment of my life was probably we got through that third date the third time. And yeah. it's like, she's like, yeah, I want to keep seeing you and keep making this work. And actually, on our fourth date, I was in the middle of building a house and we kind of, picked her up we went actually sat with the roof was on but the walls weren't in yet oh yeah sat on the floor of like my bedroom in the landing room can't remember ordered uh thai food and ate on the floor and you know it's just chatted about life and we had these really deep conversations about what's your future look like where you where you at and i remember we were about to leave we chatted way through the night it was really late we had to go home and i remember sitting there thinking i want to marry this woman like, and I think that's the happiest day of my life. Like people might say your wedding day, the day you asked to marry, but it was almost like this crystal clear thing. We'd had heaps of history together for about five or six years of camps and a number of dates and stuff like that. But it was almost like something for me just went, this is the one. Like this is the woman. This is – and then and then she said, we should pray for this house. And we started praying for the house so that it would be a place of welcome and home and all that kind of stuff. And in the back of my head, it was like this is going to be our home. And oh, I, I think so that cool. was the happiest moment of my life. It's – the, the, then the rest of the things from there, like dating, asking you to marry me, went back to the same house, had same meal there, but it was complete at this stage and set up fairy lights, asked her to marry me after a whole day of amazing race activities. It was a bunch of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Really fun day. Even though that was more fun, it probably wasn't the happiest day of my life. It was probably the inevitability of that night. Yeah, that I know house. exactly what you mean. Yeah? Yeah. I had the same moment with Denny. Yeah. I don't know if it was the happiest. I haven't see I, I need to think through some of these questions that I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I had the same sort of moment where you're like because you've gone part, you've already gone through that sort of that stage of going, I think I'm in love with this this mm. girl. But you've you know, you've done a few things in life and then you you're like you know, I think that's that there's, there's something that goes off in your head or wherever it goes off where you're like, you know what, I want to spend the rest of my life mm. with this person. Yeah. And that's it's like a deep. I don't know. Yeah. I'm speaking about it's like a deep seated. There's something going on. Like it's yeah. it's like a hard to imagine. Like it's I mean a hard to explain. Yeah. Emotion, but you're like, well, that, that feels right. Absolutely. And then on, on our wedding day, um, it was almost like I actually had a friend of mine who's a bit older just come up to me and say who, who'd known a bit of my story and a bit of my journey through uh, feeling like I was a bit alone in in that space and kind of looking up and I'm the only one left and she came up to me and said. This is a reward for your faithfulness. Mm. And I almost it was almost like that was the moment that broke me on my wedding day. It was before Mercy walked down the aisle. Like um, oh, wow. she just kind of said, I'm so glad you got to this day. This is well done for being faithful. And it was almost that moment of even though I toiled and struggled hard through that hard work stage and felt alone and whatever else, Mer- Mercy is just an absolute gift to me. Yeah. Like, and, uh, and I think because of that, that moment that, that my friend said that to me that day, is it's it just solidified this moment that she is. Just a pure joyful gift for That's me, amazing, and uh, I, I get emotional about it because she, she is like she's my pa- partner. She's she's my everything. Wow. Um, and I I'm think sure yeah. when she listens back to this, you're gonna get some brownie points off that. Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, uh, and every day is a gift. And yeah, she's she's joy personified, and she. I, I don't want to do life with anyone else. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I almost feel like even though I was stuck in that cycle of having to perform and do all that stuff, there was fruit in that, but. Because of that waiting and that patience and that whatever else, but I didn't get married till I was thirty-two, thirty-one, almost thirty-two. Yeah. Um. 
which is pretty long for some people, I guess. Mm. Um, for a lot, a lot was for my mates. They all got married at 20, 21. Yeah, yeah. But the patience and the waiting for that gift is just perfect. That's a beautiful thing of your friend to say as well. That's a really nice Oh, yeah. It's yeah. really kind of her to say. Just, yeah. And she'd known my story, which is great too, but it has stuck with me. It's, mm. it's this, oh, yeah, your faithfulness has bought, brought some fruit here that is a gift I don't deserve. Mm. Like Mercer's way out of my league. Um, and I just get to live in that, which is yeah, awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, awesome. How do you want to be remembered? I really struggle with this question. Hey, like I um was thinking a bit about like, do I want to be remembered as someone who could be trusted or someone who could be faithful, someone who's loyal? And like you kind of never ever hear answer this question saying, I wish I was more wealthy or whatever. It's always something about values and core. But I think for me, I would just love to be trusted with other people's stories. Like to have that trust of people that they could share their life with me on a deep level. I, I think that's how I want to be remembered. Like, when I kind of think about like in, in my marriage too, like, I think, what would the best husband do? I'm just going to do that. Like, and that's got a bit of performance mentality to it too. But like, if I'm thinking about like, no, oh, I've got to clean the kitchen, what would the best husband do here? Well, the best husband would clean the kitchen. So I'll just try and do that. Now, I don't get that right every time, but. It's the same with work. Like, if what would the best employee do here? What would the best uh, stranger do here? Mm. Just do that. I kind of, I don't know what word. It maybe servant's the right word for that. I, I guess I want to be known as a servant, a trusted servant, someone who um, people can put their trust in to share life with, but also to serve them at the same time. I, mm. Yeah, I, yeah. It's hard to hard to articulate what that is, but no, it's, but I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. it's um. It's yeah, it's that kind of you just what you you and this is me speaking for you, but like and I think you as a friend, I think you already are living a lot of that out. Like you are you are somebody that, you know, I feel kind of comfortable sharing stuff mm. with and or um, you know, you're someone who kinda of asks those questions on a on a caring level. Mm. And there's a I think there's a place I think everybody needs someone like that in their life. You know what yeah. I mean? Like um, especially as a guy, I think like you have you have other mates where you kind of heaps of fun and you maybe play video games or something yeah. like this. But you come home and you go, "Oh, what did you talk about?" Oh, nothing. Yeah, naff. But you, <laughs> but it's not wasted. You know that that's you still feel yeah. connected to that. That's mate. right. But I think you then, and we've had those moments as well where you kind of just mucking around yeah. and stuff. Hundred percent. But I think it's it's a certain personality that then, and I don't know if it's something that you're necessarily really intentional about, mm. but it's. It's someone. It's a certain personality that you can. Oh, I can feel really, I can feel safe with this person. Or, yeah. You know, and I think that's. So I think you are living that out. Oh, I appreciate it? that. It's a struggle. Like, a, like even in my role, like at my job, I'm, I'm a pastor, and I would kind of look after our pastoral care response at church. And prayer requests come in, and sometimes they're really difficult ones to kind of do. And sometimes you just kind of want to send a response and press enter. But then I, I'm really trying to catch myself to go and go. Well, actually, what would the best pastor do in this situation? Yes, they would respond. But they will also stop for a moment in the middle of a busy day and pray. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it, whatever the situation, it's just like you're saying before that the best version of yourself, uh, but trying to do that humbly and trying to do that for the sake of others, I, I think is the important part. Like it's not always easy and it's time consuming, but I'd rather be known to be someone who cares rather than someone who gets stuff done. And that's been a shift in the last few years, five years or so. Yeah. I'd rather be known as someone who gets stuff done, who does these things. 
I'd much rather be known as someone who was slow enough and steady enough to have those meaningful conversations and just to genuinely care. And I, yeah, sometimes it's hard to genuinely care when it's tough, but just to try and check myself, how do I genuinely care here? Mm. I think that's how I'd like to be known. And then also having grace with yourself of going, you know what? I'm not always going to get this right. <laughs> yeah. I, and and that's where that kind of performance mentality, as you talked about, can seep in again. Absolutely. It's been like, you know what? There are going to be times where I, I'm not the nicest person to be <laughs> yeah. around. And yeah. although we want to minimise that, that's that's okay, you know. Like as long as as long as we're, that's not happening all the time. Yeah, it's part of life. Like we can never be that hundred percent. Yeah, person, you know. And coming coming back to what you're originally talking about, which is that I am still enough in who I am. Exactly. You know, and so yeah. everything else is flows out of that. Yeah. So. And failure is okay. Like mm. that's a huge thing of that. Like I'm ne- I, I just can't get everything right. Like, yeah. No one can. Yeah. And being okay with that space that. Even in the middle of that, did you try hard to care? Um, and even if you didn't do that, that's okay too. Like there's always tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. failure sucks, but it's kind of – and it's something I'm learning is reframing it as like, you know what, this is just an opportunity to grow, mm. you know. Um, and that sounds like it should be a, you know, a Tony Robbins thing or something like <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> but it's true, I reckon, yeah. like because it, you can – if you reframe it that way, anything really – yeah, any failure is an opportunity to grow. Absolutely, then, you know, and so you can. And it still sucks in the moment, obviously. Yeah. But I think that's there's all these little ways of reframing our mind and our thinking that totally help us, but also help very much so help those around us. Yeah, um, yeah. What piece of advice would you give to those people listening or yeah. watching? I think that's totally my advice is related. It's it's be a lifelong learner, mm. like. Let everything you do be a, a time to learn. Like I, I've got a real fascination around leadership and often hear leaders are readers, like that kind of thing. But I, I actually really think leaders are learners. Mm. More like you can you can get a lot from reading books and I love to read too, but our interaction like this can teach me just as much about leadership, life, caring for people, whatever. Everything is, a, is an opportunity to learn from something. And um, like I, I really think that learning – the be- the best leaders, the best people, the best anything are those who are willing to learn in the middle of difficult stuff, stick it out to learn when it's tough. Um, or, yeah, if I could give, uh, particularly to young young crew who are interested in leadership, I'd say say yes to a lot of stuff. Get a bunch of, as you're young, say yes to a whole bunch of stuff and learn a whole bunch of stuff, but just keep that um, trajectory of learning going the whole way through. I want to I want to die learning something new. Yeah. Like, Honestly, I want to get to 90, 100, however long it is, and be either reading a book or, oh, that was new, and, and learning something new. That's that's the whole aim of life. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. you're so right, hey. That's, yeah. That is the, for me, that's like, like it's like a big part of life. Yeah. Like, is that learning. Yeah. And it's it's that, that is going to be the experience all through life. Yeah. So why not embrace it? Yeah, it's just discovery, right? Like w- what made the f- people from cavemen days want to go over the next hill and figure out how fire works? Like what what made people look at the stars or the moon and go, I want to go and land on that? Like discovery is part of who we are. It's, mm. I think it's inbuilt in our DNA. And I think that the, the, the link between desire and discovery is the learning in between. Definitely. Um, we've got to learn how to get to the moon, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's um, it's yeah, that's such good advice. I think it's it's so, 
And so many people, I think, I think everybody loves learning something mm. new. They may not just enjoy the process. Yeah. I think I heard, I heard on one of your other episodes you've put out recently of Trust the Process. I think it might have been Sophie. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I love that episode because uh, the Trust the Process is the hard part. Like learning is part of that process. Like you chat to people, I just want to be a YouTube star or, you know, all my nephews at the moment are like watching all these, you know, crazy kids who are their age being crazy YouTube stars. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be that. But even for those kids who are fa- who are famous YouTube kids earning buttloads of money, there is a process and there is learning that goes into that, yeah, whether that's from their parents or whether it's from them, whatever. But you get to be an expert, which I want to be an expert. That's probably part of my character, I guess. But whether you're – whatever you are – the learning and the process is the way to get there. And you've got – sometimes that's slow and that's okay. Yeah. But sometimes it's quick. Like keep stubbing your toe in the same corner of the bed, you realize pretty quick not to do it. So yeah. just be a learner. That's I, the- I read a book and I think I mentioned it before but um, called The Dip by okay. Seth – I always say his name wrong. I think it's Seth Godin, not Seth Rogan. Seth, <laughs> Seth Godin. He's a, you might have seen him. He's like prolific. He's written like 40-something books okay. or whatever. He's the bald guy and he's got like always wears like colored glasses. Oh, I think I know the guy he's talking about. Yeah. So he's a marketing, I don't know what space he would be in, but he's yeah. got this this book called The Dip, one of many. It's a super short book. But he talks about in any creative endeavor or any endeavor, there's this moment where you start and you go really high. So you're like, yeah, I'm doing this. This is incredible. But then there's this dip, this inevitable plummet <laughs> yeah. to the ground where your motivational drop, motivation drops off. You realize, oh, crap, I'm nowhere near as good at this as I thought I would be. Everybody else that I'm striving to be is way way better at it. He's like, but you've got to go through that dip and on the other, it's only on the other side of that that you can actually start to achieve. Yeah. Things, or like start to get to the success that you're after. Yeah. But he's like 90% of people don't make it through the dip. Yeah. Or businesses, organizations. Well, they try and cheat their way through. But if you're cheating your way through, you don't learn anything. Yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah, he talks about like, there's that, but he also talks about um, some of the worst advice we've ever been told is don't quit. He says because there's a lot of things that we need to quit Absolutely. to do that, to be an expert in that thing or to do that one thing. Yeah. And I'm so guilty of this. I've got 30 different hobbies mm. and I'm crap at all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've had to kind of learn um, to just be like, you know what, I like doing that twice a month, but – if I beat myself up for not being very good at it, mm. I'm either got to go and get way better at it or stop doing it <laughs> yep. so that I can do something good. Yeah. You know, and I think, I don't know how we got to what we're talking about right now, but I think that I would encourage people to find that book or read that yeah. book if they're struggling with that because it made a huge impact on yeah. me. I'll have to add it to my list. Yeah. Yeah. I think I listened to the audio book and it probably took like two hours or something. Yeah, cool. Like it's only short. So. Right. Just called the dip, but yeah, mate. This has been great. Thanks so much for chatting. Always, yeah. It's been. I can't believe I didn't know that you were born in Roma. <laughs> yeah, I'm a country boy. Don't yeah, forget. <laughs> yeah. Get like yeah, yeah. Um, your hat on and everything. Like That's that. right. So, Piece of grass to get yeah. in the mouth. Thanks so much for sharing. It's been um, some good wisdom has come out of that. So. Oh, my pleasure, mate. It's been great to chat. My back. I'm, we're talking about before. I don't know why I'm sitting like on this awkward angle, but <laughs> my back is absolutely killing me. I've got a wheat back in there. Yeah, I think it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, mate. Thanks, everybody listening, and we'll see you in the next one. I really hope you enjoyed that last conversation. 
If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, it would mean the absolute world if you like and subscribed or left a positive comment. I know you've heard this all before, but these things really do help the channel grow. Thank you so much for your support, and I'll see you in the next episode.